Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. We've been in Nehemiah, and I just want to go ahead, Nehemiah chapter 6 today. We've got a lot to cover, but I think this is probably one of the most applicable messages that you will ever hear, because it's something that I know that I need, and there's no doubt in my mind that you need it as well. But Nehemiah, he's a called man of God. Nehemiah has been set apart by God. He has been given responsibility by God. And we've seen that Nehemiah prepares to do what God has called him to do. But we also see that Nehemiah is not afraid to put forth the effort to accomplish what God has called him to do. And all the while, we see Nehemiah facing the opposition of the enemy. And as we've been reading up to the first five chapters, we've noticed that the enemy's attack has came against the men and women that Nehemiah is leading. And as we celebrated last week, we've seen that even though the enemy continues to attack, the work of God is not hindered. The work of God doesn't stop. But what you're gonna see today is kind of a shift change because instead of going after the people that Nehemiah lead, the enemy decides, hey, you know what? I'm going straight for the jugular. I'm going straight at Nehemiah. Because you realize that what the enemy wants to do is he simply wants to hinder or if not stop the work of God. And he does this by taking the people that are leading people to do God's work, that have influence, that have a platform to where they are leading people, where they're pouring into people. And he knew that if I can stop Nehemiah, if I can discourage Nehemiah, if I can deter Nehemiah, then it's not just Nehemiah that we get to affect. We get to affect the whole bunch that he's leading. And so I know there's some of you in the, in the room right now, you're going, whew, thank goodness I don't have a lot of influence. Thank God I'm not a person of leadership. Thank God I'm not leading anyone. So in, in that case, this message probably doesn't really pertain to me. I want you to understand today, if you believe that, let me tell you, it is a lie from the pits of hell. Because every child of God, every born again believer has influence because you have him. Every child of God has influence because you have him. And so while your influence platform may look a little bit different, Satan wants nothing more than to deter you as an influencer or as a child of God. And the reason that he wants to do that is because he knows if he can deter you, he deters those you lead 
and ultimately deters the work of God. So what I want you to understand that as a child of God, as a leader for the kingdom, as someone with influence, every born-again believer, every born-again child of God, you have a target on your back. As Greg Worley always says, as a child of God, you are a high-valued target because the enemy wants to stop the work that God is doing through you. And so for those who thinks they have no influence, for those who have forgotten, I simply wanna remind you of one passage of scripture today that I hope empowers you. We're not even in Nehemiah 6 yet, so we'll get there in a minute. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses nine through 12. But you, a child of God, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Believed, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. Verse 12, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which, in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, listen, as they observe them. Glorify God in the day of visitation. So what I wanna encourage you with this morning, you as a child of God, you've been chosen, you've been set apart, you have been empowered to do his work for the very reason that we just read about, because there's a lost world watching. There's a lost world that you have influence over because you have him. And if the enemy can deter you, he can deter the work of God. And so what you're gonna see today, you're gonna see three ways that the enemy is going to attempt to deter Nehemiah. And what we're gonna see today is it's not necessarily physical abuse, but today we're gonna see that it's the simple topic of temptation. It's the temple, simple topic of tempting Nehemiah to choose a path other than the one that God has set apart for him. And so we're gonna see three different things that the enemy does. And I want you to write these three down and then we're gonna break them down as we walk through the scripture today in Nehemiah chapter six. The enemy will invite you, the enemy will accuse you, and the enemy will deceive you. The enemy will invite you, he will accuse you, and he will deceive you. And so with that being said, I want us to go ahead and let's look Let's look exactly how Nehemiah is gonna handle all of the temptation that comes from the enemy. Nehemiah chapter six, verse one. This will help us understand how far along Nehemiah has become in his journey. Nehemiah chapter six, verse one. Now, when it was reported to Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and that no breach remained in it, although at that time I had not set up the doors in the gates. 
Now, what we realize by Nehemiah chapter six, verse one, is this work is almost over. This work is almost done. The work is almost accomplished. The wall has almost been rebuilt. So a side note that I want you to understand is you need to recognize and understand that the enemy is never going to relent, no matter how far you are along in your journey. He's gonna attack you in the beginning, and he's gonna continue to attack you all the way to the end. So we are always gonna be under the spiritual attack of the enemy. But there's also an important element here that we really, we could spend a whole message or a sermon series on. But if you notice, there's one job left that has to be taken care of of the wall. And it's the fact that the doors have not been hung at the gates yet. You see, that's very important because we know that what the door represents, a door represents a place of entry, but also a place of exit. And so Nehemiah knows that this is the one thing that he has left. But while Nehemiah knows it, so does the enemy. The enemy knows the importance of these doorways. The enemy knows the importance because what the enemy does is it doesn't matter how big the wall is, doesn't matter how wide, it doesn't matter how deep. How the enemy works is he's going to continue to circle this wall until he finds a breach. He's gonna continue to circle this wall until he finds a crack. He's gonna continue to circle the wall until he finds a way in. And what you have to understand is that is exactly the way the enemy comes at you. He's going to circle your home. He's going to circle your life. He's going to circle your situations. And all he's looking for is a crack. But you see, the enemy also knows that if the doors are hung, then I have no way in. And so the question that I want to ask you is, where does the door need to be hung in your life? Where does the door need to be hung in your home? And what I mean by that is, where is the crack Where is the point of entry that the enemy seems to always find his way in? And now look, we're all grown adults. We don't have to sit and spell out all of these cracks. We don't have to spell out all of these entryways. You, as a follower of Christ, you as a child of the king, you know where the enemy can get to you. You know where that's at. And maybe it is. Maybe it's going to a certain place. Maybe it's being around a certain group of people. Or maybe it's injecting yourself in a certain environment. But the question I would ask you is, where is that crack? Where does the enemy find his way into your home? Where does he find his way into your life? Because what we've got to make sure that we allow the Spirit of God to to reveal those cracks to us so that we can make sure that we get the doors hung. Don't give the enemy access Don't let him in because we know what happens when he gets in. He wreaks havoc. And that's exactly why he's coming after Nehemiah in this part of the journey. Because he knows, man, if I can deter Nehemiah, then those doors will never get hung. So I will always have access to the children of God. If we can keep Nehemiah from hanging the doors, then I've always got access. I can always find a way in. And so the question I ask you, Where is that breach? Where is that entry point of how the enemy gets into your home and in your life and in your circumstances? We're not even into the heart of the message yet. All that's kind of side note, all right? Y'all ready now? So now fasten your seatbelt. We're about to go into all three of the temptations. We're gonna look at the three different ways that the enemy attempts 
to, de to deter or to derail what Nehemiah has been sent to do. Look at verse two. Then Sanballat and Geshem, they sent a message to me saying, come, let us meet together at Cherifim in the plain of Ono. And yes, that literally is Ono. I thought it had to be something super spiritual to that. No, that is literally how you pronounce it. Oh, no. To the plain of oh, no. But they were planning to harm me. And so right here, we see the first attempt of the enemy to tempt Nehemiah. And he does it by way of invitation. He attempted to invite Nehemiah to leave the post in which God had called him to. The enemy is trying to call him away from where God has placed him. The enemy's trying to call him away from the responsibility of what God has Nehemiah doing. And yes, just like I said a moment ago, they're inviting him. Some of your Bibles, it says, come. Some may say, come here. So he's, they're literally saying, hey, come here. Come to us, this village in the plain of oh no. I don't know about you, but I'm not a rocket science, but if you ever invite me to a place called oh no, I ain't going. <laughs> I ain't going. So see, that was, that was this whole place of, for dummies. That was me. I'm like, okay, God, I got that one. I can pick up on that one. And so as I began to study this plane of oh no, I thought, man, something that impactful, there has to be something in this plane of oh no. Because you know, in the Old Testament, names represent everything. And so what I found is when we continue to dig into what the plane of oh no means, if we literally translate it and break it down, it's the valley of craftsmen. Now, a craftsman would be defined as someone who was a, a professional stone dresser or some who, someone who was very skilled in woodwork or someone who was a professional metalsmith. And so we see that this valley of craftsmen would have been made up of a lot of professional, a lot of menly men who were good at what they do. They were good at working their hands. They were good at working with stone. They were good with working with wood. They were good at working with metal. Do you see already what's beginning to take place? Because if Nehemiah had met them at this valley of Ono or the village of Ono, he would have immediately walked in and been surrounded by men who were doing exactly what he has just spent the past days of doing, of rebuilding this wall. And so immediately, he would have entered a village because keep in mind that this, this, this plain or this village, this valley of Ono, this valley of craftsmen, it was 35 miles northwest of Jerusalem. So it's pretty close in proximity. So there's no doubt that all of these men, all these craftsmen that make up this village, they would have been well aware of all the work that Nehemiah was doing. Now keep in mind, what Nehemiah has done through the power of God is nothing short of a miracle. He has built this wall. He has finished exactly what God has called him to do. So there would have been a lot of stone carving going on. There would have been a lot of woodwork going on. There would have been a lot of metal smithing. All this stuff would have been what was taking place to rebuild this wall. And so while the village or the valley of Ono, they would have been well aware of what Nehemiah had been doing. So he would have entered in to this village 
with automatically an element of respect and honor and appreciation. They would have looked in and he would have entered this village as the Michael Jordan of craftsmanship. Not LeBron James, but Michael Jordan of craftsmanship. He would have walked in and had immediate goat status. Like, he's the man. They, he would have walked in to this village or this valley and they would have all been like, Nehemiah is here. This dude can do anything with his hands. This good is to build the wall around Jerusalem. Do y'all know who this is? And so what we realize is what we know about Nehemiah, what we've studied about Nehemiah is that everything Nehemiah do, does is not for his glory, but God's. Everything he does. But you see this temptation of the enemy, this invitation, is how easily would it have been for you and I to be persuaded you know what, I can leave Jerusalem and I can go to this, this village, this valley of Ono, and immediately I will be noticed, I will be recognized, I will be appreciated. And so you see what the enemy's luring him to do? Is he saying, if I can just get Nehemiah to chase his own glory, his own status, his own prestige, if I can get him to chase after that, then all of a sudden, God's work doesn't get finished. How often time does the enemy attack us the very same way? He tempts us with our glory, with our name, so that we begin taking away what is rightfully God's. That our focus goes on our glory, our fame, rather than the very reason that God has placed every one of us here. So this invitation to lure him away is the very same thing he does in your life and my life. Because at the end of the day, down at the root of all of it, every one of us has a small token that we want to be desired. We want to be recognized. We want to be appreciated. We want to be noticed. And the enemy is coming after Nehemiah and saying, hey, you can have all that. You can have all that if you'll just go to this place called, oh no. You'll be the man. But you see, he would have left his post of what God had called him to do to chase after his fame, to chase after his glory, to chase after something other than what, what God had placed him to do. But Nehemiah wasn't very easily deceived. He wasn't very easily fooled. Look at verse three and four. Verses three and four, we see his response to this one. It says, they sent a messenger to me the four, for four times in this manner. And I answered them in the same way. Uh, sorry, back up three, verse three. I didn't read it. This is the most important verse. I was about to miss the whole message right here. Verse three. So I sent messengers to them. This is his response. I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and I come down to you? Verse four, then they sent messengers the four times in this manner, and I answered them in the same way. Now, verse three and four, we realize that Nehemiah recognized that God was using him. 
He realized that God was using Nehemiah where he had placed him. He knew that. And it almost seems arrogant when he says there that I am doing a good work. I cannot come down. But what I want you to understand, knowing the heart of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is not saying, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. I believe with everything in me. Nehemiah is going, if God can use me, then I'm gonna stay put. Because the fact that God's using me is nothing short of a miracle. And so I know God is using me and I can't come down. But notice the enemy doesn't stop with that response. Nehemiah says four times the enemy came at me with the same invitation. But he says all four times I answered it the very same way. I am doing a good work and I cannot come down. So as the enemy invited, Nehemiah responded, acknowledging how God was using him. But what I stumbled across next brought me to a place of tears on Tuesday. I don't know if you recognize or see the parallel because you realize all of the Old Testament is the foreshadowing of the coming of the Savior, of the Messiah. And so what we see here is we see this invitation to come down and meet us. Come down, let's, let's get you distracted so that you will get off what God's called you to do. Do you realize that if you read into the New Testament, I know that specifically, I think it's in the Gospel of Luke, that while Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross to take away the sins of the world, while he was pouring out his shed blood for you and for me, that I know that for three times he was invited to come down. He was invited down off the cross by the people in the congregation, by the people watching, by a guy hanging on the cross. They were inviting him, hey, if you truly are the son of God, why don't you save yourself? Again, the invitation, because Jesus in that moment would have been praised by the people. But do you see the parallel that in that moment, I believe somewhere in the heart of Jesus Christ that he looked at that invitation and he looked at those people that were inviting him down and he says, I'm doing a good work and I can't come down. I know what God's placed me here to do. And I'm doing a good work. And I can't come down. I can't come down from what God has called me and placed me here to do. And so I believe that Jesus probably responded in a very similar way that Nehemiah did. You know, as the enemy invites you as the enemy tries to get you off of your post, as he tries to call you away from what God has called you to do, I love giving you tools that you can put in your tool belt that when you feel the temptation of the enemy, why don't you speak the word of God? When you feel the temptation of the enemy in your heart, hey, speak it out. You say, hey, enemy, I'm doing a good work and I can't come down. I'm doing a good work and I can't come down. It's hard, it's difficult, it's frustrating, but I know I'm where God's called me. I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. And because of that, I'm doing a good work and I don't have time to mess with you. I don't have time to come down. 
Look at verse five. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. What you're gonna see here is the second attempt of the enemy to derail the work of Nehemiah and ultimately the work of God. He's already invited him. And now what you're gonna see is the enemy's going to accuse him. The enemy accuses him. He makes accusations about Nehemiah. We're not gonna read it, but if you look in verses six and seven, inside this letter, he's accusing Nehemiah of leading a rebellion. He's accusing Nehemiah of desiring to be king. And he's accusing Nehemiah of recruiting people for himself to kind of build his own little army. And so at the end of the day, while all these are lies, while all this stuff is false information, what we see is how crafty the, tool, the enemy is because what Sanballat is a, attempting to do with this letter is to destroy the testimony of Nehemiah. He's wanting to destroy the testimony of Nehemiah. And he's not just making up lies about Nehemiah, but he wants everybody to know about it. And we know that because the letter that Nehemiah received, the Bible says that it was opened. Now in that custom, in that culture, when a government official would give somebody a letter, it was always sealed. They would melt wax on it and the government official's stamp was placed and molded into that wax to show that it had not been broken, that, that it was meant for the person who it was written to was supposed to be the only person who read it. But the fact that Nehemiah received an open letter, I believe that this would have been like today's modern day Twitter, which means the person who's delivering it could open it and read it. And y'all know the human nature, right? If I get that open letter, what do you do with the post you see on Twitter? You make that funk. Did you, you know what I just saw on Twitter? Did you hear about this? And so there's no doubt in my mind, this messenger, when he opened it, when he read it, when he saw all that Nehemiah was being accused of, I can promise you this, he wasn't the only one that knew about it. He talked about it all the way to the city of Jerusalem. And so now you see this gossip begin. You see social media in the Old Testament. You see all of this stuff taking place where now not only Nehemiah knows what he's accused of, but everyone else knows what Nehemiah has been accused of because he knows that if he can discredit Nehemiah's testimony, then he loses influence. He knows that if he can destroy Nehemiah's testimony, that Nehemiah begins to lose his influence. So he's attempting to tear down that testimony. Can I tell you, as a child of God, the enemy still works the same way. He wants nothing more than destroy your testimony. And yes, sometimes we are guilty of destroying our own testimony with our actions. But the enemy's gonna do everything he can to make sure it happens. Because he knows if you can ruin your testimony, you immediately, by human nature, you lose influence. The enemy wants to destroy your testimony. And I don't know about you, but if I was Nehemiah and I knew this dude was making up lies about me, I'm gonna go visit him at the Valley of Oh No. And he's gonna be the one saying, Oh No. I would have been angry. I would have been bitter. 
But what we see is Nehemiah's response to this. Nehemiah's response to all of these lies is I would have responded in anger. But in verse eight and nine, Nehemiah just goes, you're making that up. You've made up this thing in your own mind. So now you're the dummy. I don't believe it. But if you notice, what is the next thing he does in verse nine? He turns to God. And he says, God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. As a child of God, do you not realize that the enemy, as we said a moment ago, he never lets up. And if we're continually in this battle with the enemy's invitations, this deceit, this deception, this temptation to lure you away from where God has placed you, can we all agree that it gets exhausting? It gets tiresome. The people that moved just a moment ago, you know what they were saying? I'm worn out, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. But also, everyone that came forward responded just like Nehemiah, saying, God, give my hands strength to keep fighting. Give my hands strength. And that's exactly what Nehemiah says. He says, look, this attack from the enemy, it's wearing me out. But God, I know what you've placed me here to do. And so God, I'm asking you to be my strength. God, give me strength to keep moving forward. And so for you, maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. As the enemy never lets up on you, maybe you just need to fall on your face this morning and say, God, give me strength. Give me strength. Give me strength to keep moving. And so Nehemiah knew in this moment what he needed strength to do was to protect his testimony. He needed to protect the testimony. He needed to prove that all of this stuff was false. All these accusations were not true. And so I want you to look at verse 10 and we're gonna see the last thing that the enemy attempts to do to Nehemiah. Where I say the last thing that we're gonna talk about. It's definitely not the last thing. It says, when I entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mehetabel, who was confined at home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they're coming to kill you and they're coming to kill you at night. What we see here is the enemy's last attempt. We've already seen him invite. We've already seen him accuse. And now we're gonna watch the attempt for him to deceive. So Shemaiah is trying to lure Nehemiah into a place where he thinks he can find comfort, where he thinks he can find safety, where he thinks he can find a refuge. Because remember, Nehemiah is weary. He's tired. He's just prayed for God to give me strength. And now all of a sudden, the enemy shows up by way of Shemaiah and says, hey, just come to the temple with me and we'll go inside the temple and we'll lock ourselves in there and you'll be safe. Nothing will harm you. And as we saw many people move just a moment ago, when we become weary, when we become worn out, you know the enemy's going to tempt you with comfort, with relief, 
with a sense of refuge. He's gonna throw everything at you because you're longing for that relief. You're longing for that comfort. You're longing for just a taste of peace again. But what you've gotta be so careful, always remember the enemy is a liar. He will offer you joy. He will offer you peace. He will offer you relief. Do you realize what he's offering you? That's not even his to give. There is no peace in the enemy. There is no relief in the enemy. So he's offering you something that he doesn't even have to give you. And this proves that he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He will promise you everything, but I promise you on the authority of God's word, he can't fulfill that promise. He can't fulfill what he's offering you. He can't fulfill what he's saying he can give you. Because at the end result, in most cases, if not all cases, what the enemy offers you always leads to destruction. It always leads to destruction. He'll promise you that he has relief, that he has peace, that he has comfort. But what you're gonna find is he's a liar. And you're gonna attempt to keep looking into those things that he offers you and you're gonna find yourself more broken than you were before. And so we see the enemies trying to lure Nehemiah away by this deception saying, hey, just come. Just come to the temple. We'll be good there. Look at verses 11 and 13. And this is where I really want you to pay attention this morning. Verse 11 through 13. Here's his response to this invitation, to this deceit. Verse 11 says this. But I said, should a man like me flee? And could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And then I perceived, some of your Bibles may say discerned, then I perceived or I discerned that surely God had not sent him. But he uttered his prophecies against me because of Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. He was hired for this reason that I might become frightened and act accordingly in sin so that they might have an evil report in order that they could all reproach me. See, he knew that if he could get him to buy in, he could ruin his testimony again. So he's always attempting to ruin the testimony. He's always attempting to destroy the testimony that we hold so dear to us. But what I love about Nehemiah is he doesn't make decisions based off emotion. If you remember just last week or two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he was angry with the children of God. He was angry at their disobedience. He was angry at their sin and he was angry at their division. But do you remember what he said? He said, before I addressed it, before I talked to them, you remember that little phrase? He said, I consulted with myself. I examined my heart. I got my heart in the right place before I had that conversation. What we see is another example of Nehemiah not responding off emotion. 
Because you see, if the enemy can invite you with this deception, if he can lure you away, he can play on your emotions. Because your emotions want relief. Your emotions want this comfort. Your emotions want this peace. And so he knows if I can just get to make the knee-jerk reaction, a knee-jerk response, and then I'll have them. But before you make a decision based off emotion, look what Nehemiah does. We see another example of where he's consulting with himself. And he asked himself two questions. He asked himself two questions. And the first question that we see him ask, should a man like me flee? Should a man like me flee? And I believe in this moment, he reminded himself that God had called him. He reminded himself that he was more than a conqueror because of the power of God. He reminded himself of who he was. He was chosen. He was a royal priesthood. And so all of a sudden he realized, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm God's man. But then we see the second question. Could one such as me go into the temple? You see the importance of that? is when he asked himself this question, can a man like me go into the temple? What we realize that in that moment is we see that Nehemiah knew the word of God. Nehemiah, this is the very reason we encourage you to hide God's word in your heart. This is the very reason that I tell you today that when the enemy comes after you, you say the very thing that Nehemiah said, I'm doing a good work and I can't come down. Because the word of God always reveals truth. And when Nehemiah realized, can I, a man like me, go into the temple? He knew what the word of God said. He knew that only priests could enter into this portion of the temple. Because if he would have entered into the temple, the end result is his death. And so he knew that if he would have gone there, that he would have died, that he would have been finished but we see that the truth of God's word reared its head in Nehemiah's life. And he said, Nehemiah, you know the truth. You know you can't go there. So Nehemiah has asked himself two questions. He's examined himself, but then all of a sudden, because he didn't respond on emotion, the Bible says that he perceived or discerned Something was a little off. Something was a little off with this whole situation. Because what he realized is that Shemaiah was a prophet of God. He was a child of God. But he was a child of God who had gotten lured away by temptation. You see, Tobiah and the other men, they would have invited him in by offering him money to lie to Nehemiah. So he gave in to the temptation and now the enemy was using a child of God to, to try to lure away another child of God. But because Nehemiah didn't respond in, in emotion, he was able to discern that something wasn't right. Believers, what you have to realize is this is the very tool that will allow you to protect your testimony. When the enemy invites you, when he tempts you in whatever way it is, if it's by that invitation, 
if he's accusing you, if he's deceiving you, before you make a response, before you move, ask yourself similar questions to what Nehemiah did. Is this of God? Is what I'm about to do of God? Or maybe the second question, the decision I'm about to make, did it line up with what God's word says? And before moving forward, as a child of God, you need to be able to answer a resounding, confident yes to both of these questions before you ever move. If you get one yes and one no, don't move. It needs to be a resounding yes to both of these questions. Is this of God? Does what I'm about to do align with the word of God? And so before you move forward, make sure you're confident in what you're doing will not destroy your testimony. If you're unsettled, if something in your spirit doesn't sit right, be reminded that you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you that makes you feel unsettled. What I've learned in my journey is this, and I want you to write this down. If you're unsettled, it usually means it's unholy. If you're unsettled, it's usually unholy. And as the enemy works in our lives now to make it harder to discern the truth, the only place that you can rely on discerning the truth is by trusting the Spirit of God living in you and trusting what the Word of God says. There's a lot of opinions out there of what truth is. Can I tell you, you're not gonna be able to discern the truth because of NBC or CNN. You're not gonna be able to determine the truth or, or discern the truth based off Fox News. The only truth that will never let you down is the truth of God's word. And if it doesn't align with the truth of God's word, I'm here to tell you it's evil. If it doesn't align with what the word of God says, it's evil. No questions asked. I don't care what news says what. If it doesn't align with what this book says, it's of the devil. Or if you've watched Waterboy, it's of the devil. <laughs> but as a child of God today, you gotta keep fighting to accomplish what God's placed you here to do. And you may think in your mind, well, Brian, I just don't have a lot of influence. You have influence because you have him. You may have influence at your workplace. You may have it on your team. Husband, you have been given influence into your wife's life. Wife, you've been given influence into your husband's wife and moms and dads. 
You've been given influence in those precious children that God's entrusted you with. And the enemy wants nothing more than to lure you away from your post. He's gonna invite you. He's going to accuse you. And he's gonna attempt to deceive you. But what I wanna encourage you with today is what he says in verse 15. All these attacks, all these temptations. Nehemiah's response, verse 15. So the wall was completed. The wall was completed. And then I love what the latter part of verse 16 says. They, all the onlookers, all the naysayers, all the doubters, they recognized that this was the work and it had been accomplished with the help of God. And I've wrestled with response to this all week long. I don't know how we respond to this. Because the truth of the matter is, is if you're a child of God, there's no way that what Nehemiah walked through doesn't apply to your life. Some of you were invited by the enemy before you even came in this place today. Some of you have been accused all week long. And you've realized that some of you have been deceived all week long. And so what I want us to do to recognize this morning is hide God's word in your heart. It's that simple. When you feel the invitation, when you feel the lure, when you recognize that something's unsettled, when something doesn't sit well, I often tell my kids, if you have to think about it, don't do it. And I'm thankful. I am thankful that the Spirit of God living in us has the authority and the power to lead us that way. If we would just shut up long enough to listen. If it's unsettled, it's because it's unholy. And maybe what you need help in today is just to recognize, to be able to discern what the work of the enemy is in your life. Maybe you need to respond in this altar and just say, God, I need you to help me discern truth so I can overcome the temptation of the devil because I keep falling right back in. Make my heart unsettled today. And maybe he is making you unsettled. Praise him today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. 
Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you. We're praying for you. And we'll see you next time.